2: everyone, and welcome to another outstanding edition of Ghost Chronicles, the International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, the unbelievable, the mystical, the magical, the macabre, New England's own Van Helsink, and with me all the way in the land of the big void is the gold standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Steve Parsons. Hello, how are you? Yeah, whatever. Um trying
0: What's to get like where's our guest? Well that's what we yeah, you see, this is what, the third time that we've had a Skype problem, um, with with our guests. Mm-hmm. But this seems to be the most bizarre of all because um, our guest has sent now um three three different Skype accounts. Mm-hmm. So so what,
2: what, what they're saying is they uh, – I don't know if you're in the chat, but you can uh... – Yeah,
0: I'm sending that back now. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Okay, Just good. chat amongst yourselves for 10 seconds while I send this back Amongst you. myself it, yeah. is myself. It was all by myself.
2: Anyways, uh, this is Ron Kolick, and I want to mention <laughs> we actually have a, a great thing coming up. Uh, a year ago today, we did our first paranormal spiritual retreat which was a blast, and it's a whole weekend, all inclusive, and we're doing it again this year on April 29th. Uh, no, not 29th, excuse me. April 21st or 23rd, and uh, it's up at the Black Swan Inn in Tilton, New Hampshire. It includes your room, your meals, uh, and the decent meals. It's not like, uh, you know, jack in a box stuff, so it's pretty cool. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so, Check it out, anyghostproject.com the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com. And of course, this September, October, the great Steve Parsons will be uh, does, oh, I admit, the paranormal celebrity. Uh, Mr. Steve Parsons will be over here and doing Spirit Quest again and other events as well. So go to their website and check out all that cool stuff that's happening there.
0: So you're back with me now, Steve? I haven't left you. I've um, been frantically typing because um, the suggestion by Talking to add Jackie from this end won't work because she can't log into Skype. Actually, it's not Skype. It's Live. It's it's Microsoft Live that's the problem. Um, but hey, we'll we'll soldier on while I frantically keep working in the background with Karina and see if we can find our guest. Yeah, there you go. So
2: anyways, uh, yeah, so uh, we were going to have Jacqueline Hines on, who is a uh, Irish folklorist, and we we're going to talk about... Uh... It's, the, it's the Leprechauns. They're doing it. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. But, uh, you know, that's another problem anyway. But anyways, all good. It's all good. So that being said, uh, last, you know, I was going on the Internet and they were mm-hmm. having this uh, event, of course. And it was uh, come investigate with celebrity ghost hunters. And I said, oh, my God, how I mean, what makes them a celebrity ghost hunter? Is it because they were on TV once or twice or whatever? They were on a show or I have no clue, but that seems to be the big term around here now, celebrity ghost hunters. a
0: celebrity oh, need character. celebrities. The yeah, world loves so... celebrities, don't we? I mean, we have celebrities, chefs, we have celebrity, well, pretty much everything, because, mm-hmm. um, yeah... It, it seems to be. I mean, we've always liked. You know, we always had the A-list of Hollywood celebrities way, way back in the twenties and thirties. And uh, I think social media and the rise of tabloid, you know, these sort of uh, magazines and celebrity magazines have, have fueled this. And you know, people do love their five minutes of television fame. Um, you could, you could, you see that in in not just the paranormal world, um, in all sort of spheres. Um, you know, talking to the upcoming generation, their prime, primary motivation is being famous. You know, the X Factor and all of these other competitions where people can come from obscurity, you know, working in McDonald's to, um, you know, being a celebrity. But, I, but we, we judge celebrity, uh, our standards for judging celebrity seem to be quite low. You know, one appearance on a mainstream television channel and you're suddenly writing books and writing your autobiography.
2: Yeah, and uh, speaking of celebrities, I want to give a shout-out to... I'm a celebrity. ...a, a, a paranormal character. celebrity of, of the highest caliber, and that would be Karen O'Keefe. Karen, happy birthday today. So there you go, my shout-out to Karen, because I know he listens all the time. Is he? Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Karen. <laughs> so there you go. And, uh... Oops, ghost girl in the chat room says, is Jackie on? No, she's not on yet. She's fighting the little gremlins up in... uh Ireland and the uh,
0: leprechauns are,
2: um, well, oh, maybe, it, maybe it's part of that, that Bisquick thing that, that you guys left. Wow, I don't know. Bisquick. bisquick. yeah, oh, you yeah. Britain left uh, the European Union, so yep, so there you Isn't go. Is a chocolate drink? No, biscuit is actually a uh, dough that you make
0: stuff out of. Oh, well, you're the great, celebrity. Well, you're the great celebrity cook, mm. but. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems to me that we haven't half, half lowered our standards in terms of, you know, uh, the paranormal. Because that's what the show is about. And you look at, there was a list done, um, I think I was reading it late last year, about the world's top ten most influential ghost investigators. There was? Yeah, there was. Oh, I didn't um, know that. That's so cool. Yeah, of course, you and I weren't on it. Um, well, I know that. But it was but interesting to see point. who was on it, because I, you would have... Ex- I think I would I, shoot myself if I was on it. Well, well, I would have expected, you know, some of the greats, like Price or Underwood or um, Alan Gould or Tony Cornell or Camille Flammarion or uh, the list. You could draw them up. You know, it could be an endless list. But instead, we got Zach Bacons and... Um, Guys from ghost hunters, Annie uh, Betfielding, and oh, cool! Yeah, you know, you look at uh, we're having a big paracon here in the UK in the autumn. And, oh, really? Uh, they've they've lined up some celebrity ghost hunters. Now, all of these, like Brian Kano uh, and um, others, are all from American television. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, they are. I, I'll admit, I'm the first to admit that they are highly influential in in terms of investigating. Don't you have TV in the UK? Um, yeah, we do have TV, but we don't make our own programmes anymore. Um, mm-hmm. We outsource them to America. The, um, but I mean, they are these television ghost hunters, like television uh, chefs and television home remodelers, and all of the others are. They are highly influential. They do directly affect how people undertake their hobbies and their pursuits, their activities. Be they ghost hunting, be they home remodeling, or or you know, baking. Um so in that respect, yes, they are influential. However, I I would question whether they you know that they could stand the test of time, whether they could stand shoulder to shoulder with some of the greats, you know, who, who have been I would argue much more influential down the years. I mean look at well look at look at, look at for example Harry Price. Would that Harry Price would well, Harry that's what I was interested, is it would Harry Price be uh, a uh, celebrity ghost hunter? Oh, he would be delighted to have been a celebrity ghost hunter. I mean, Price was, Price recognised um, very early on that in order to be influential, to in order to to press forward his agenda of gaining academic acceptance for the pursuit of the paranormal then you would use all of the tools at your disposal and that didn't include the media and Harry did fully engage with the media. He was uh, at every uh, turn, uh, he would work with um, the, the the newspapers, he would work with the broadcast media at every opportunity because he realised it was a great tool and a great opportunity to promote the message he wanted to promote which was um this idea that it should be taken academically seriously. Now he got condemned for that. He got criticised for that. But the, the world has moved on. Some could say he's far fetched. But in terms of his methodology, he was he was influential. Um, he used he developed and, and influenced the techniques that we use to this present day. Whether that the same could be said of our modern day celebrities, I I would argue that. Um, I think society has changed the way it views celebrities in a much shallower way. Um, we don't seem to be as critical. Um, so maybe, you know, we, 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 we look upon things differently. Influentially, though, I would, I would definitely agree that Zach, um, the, the two guys from um, TAPS, um, the methods used by Most Haunted. They've certainly been highly influ- highly influential.
2: Oh, I think so. I, I really think so, even though uh, w- w- you know, whatever you think of the show, it, they were definitely uh, you know, highly they definitely influence uh, so many people probably more than anyone else, I guess. So I guess they would be in that considered celebrity. But
0: uh, I don't know. Uh, well, yeah, the one thing that I think you and I can certainly safely lay claim to is the fact that we're not influential um, and that we're never going to be celebrities. In fact, I would I would rather I find the whole thing being celebrity distasteful. We've got to, you know, it does seem to be that first and foremost, you have to you, know, you judge yourself by how others judge you. Um, you know, rather than by the results that you produce. You know, these days you set up a paranormal team and the first, almost the first step that you engage in is setting up your social media presence and setting up your, um, you know, demanding or begging for likes and, and shares and all this sort of thing that goes with it rather than focusing on learning the trade and delivering good quality evidence.
2: I agree. So, but you know, it was actually someone who posted on uh, the the uh, uh, Facebook page today. Are you an investigator or a paranormal investigator or a paranormal tourist? And uh, I thought that was kind of I don't repulsive. I guess in a way, Um,
0: paranormal tourist. Hmm. That's an interesting. Concept. I think our guest might be getting ever closer to joining us. <laughs> it appears so, doesn't it? It does. I, 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 I wonder what you mean by paranormal
2: tourist. I, I'm not quite sure of that. I would think it's just somebody who, I don't know, <laughs> uh, who just visits the paranormal. In other words, they just go as a, a tourist would go to a an attraction, you know, I'm just saying, I don't really
0: know. Well, I mean, I've used the term paranormal tourism uh, or paranormal because it, it's you know there are people who who dabble. You know, they mm-hmm. go along like like people go to the cinema or people go sightseeing or to attractions. It's something that is something that people would like to do that they may be engage in periodically, but they don't have a deep a deep rooted passion uh, for the subject. It's something that they're interested in for sure, um, but they. They dip their toe in, and then they go about their normal day-to-day lives. Perhaps that's what it means. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that somebody can figure this out now, because uh, obviously she is in the chat room on Skype. Uh-huh. So we're just hoping that maybe ToggyNet can add her. Or we might have to do it like we did with, is it, uh, the other week, where we had to boot everybody out at the break? Oh, well, we why not? Right. It'll figure I guess, itself out. I, in I could weird actually weird world
2: of the paranormal. Uh, okay, so I guess we don't have to do that anyway. So okay. yeah, that's so that was cool. an interesting thing. But uh, I started looking at um, you know we, we always talk about ghosts and stuff, but and I've always kind of shied away from other entities like elementals. I mean that's a word that's batted around a lot and uh i found out that uh leap castle is actually supposed to be haunted by one of these elementals do you and there are very concise reports of what this thing looks like and and how it approached and what it does are, are you familiar with that
0: steve um, i've never actually been to the location i know of it um yeah but I say I've never had a, uh, an account, I, you know, I've never actually been to that particular location. I've been to other locations uh, in Ireland. Uh, and Leap is one of, Leap is quite interesting in terms of it's one of the oldest documented uh, paranormal, um, paranormally active locations in Ireland. Going, you know, there are records of the elemental um, that, go way back to I I think it's the late 18th early 19th century so it's mm-hmm. very well documented it's what it's not one of these sort of modern created um, accounts that, that um, appear but,
2: so, but the thing there are there are modern reports as, as well oh, so yeah yes.
0: Well, there are contemporary accounts for certain, and uh, there are. You know, it's regularly visited. It's part of the circuit of uh, ghost investigators in Ireland. It's considered to be the first division, the first league of uh, locations to go to in Ireland. But like with um, the Poltergeist House in England, in in, um, Pontefract, West Yorkshire, Mm -hmm. uh, which which really was only active for a period of around about a year in the 1960s. Um, the modern con- contemporary accounts, really, you have to question them, whether they're just simply trading on the... Because it was a Poltergeist case that, that that was quite um, well-known in the media at the time. It was quite uh, an astonishing case with... with Relatively good uh, reporting that took place at the time, and then nothing was heard for you know almost fifty years, and then the the, the vacant property suddenly burst onto the paranormal scene again, uh, with astonishing claims being made by by visiting ghost investigators, by uh, television ghost investigators from both sides of the Atlantic. You know there was the, uh, the um, who, who visited. But you have to say, are they simply trading on the locations past? Now, with Leap, you definitely have... Um, oh, excuse you, me for a minute. Go ahead. Keep going. With with Leap Castle, you certainly do have a uh, long history of um, reports that span right up to the present day. But I wonder how many of the present day accounts are just simply uh, playing on the history of the location and, and interpreting any of the Unusual experiences that people have to the previously documented accounts, and you could ha- you could say there's an analogy there with Mary King's uh, Close in Scotland in Edinburgh, which is one of the you know there were reports there uh, dating back to the 17th century of some odd um, and potentially paranormal experiences. Um, but then you have this long gap when, when of course, it was buried underneath the, the streets of Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it resurfaced about 20 years ago. And then every ghost investigator and television uh, ghost program visited the location. And all of a sudden, you know, it, it becomes one of the go-to places to, to be. Um, but you've got this gap in the, in, the, in, the, in the accounts. And you do have a similar gap with Leap. You know, there was a long period where it was um, comparatively derelict and nobody ever visited it, and you have a, you know a gap in the records.
2: Mm-hmm. But like I said, there are it go, you have you know very clear results of even what this creature looked like, and then uh, it goes from the past all the way into the the present. So it's
0: it, well, that's, that's, the point. that's I what like, I find intriguing. You know, it, well, it's yeah, it, it would be, but the, as I just pointed out, there is a gap. Um, of many decades. Well, the, the castle was at
2: the, because of this evilness. It was supposed to. There was. It was actually. Well, and also because of your your political situation, the castle was was
0: uh, burnt derelict. and yeah, yeah, it was burnt and uh, and so yeah. forth. So you do have a gap. So you cannot yeah. say that there is a linear. Li- you know, there is a, a direct sort of linear link to past accounts. Although the past accounts are important and. They they may be linked. Mm-hmm. There isn't there isn't a, a sort of unbroken line between the early accounts and the modern day accounts. The same as in Edinburgh, and the same as with the whole pol- uh, the Pontifract uh, poltergeist um, case. There is a broken chain, um, and that. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that nothing has ever happened. There isn't a continuous series of events, but there is. There is an, uh, a disconnect between the early accounts and the modern-day accounts. And what you do find is often, and there's examples here in West Wales also, where castles that had ghost accounts or ghost legends attached to them, in folklore. Um, Rather than in actuality, I mean these were folklore accounts of the White Lady, for example, at Carew Castle. Uh, there were no contemporary reports for more than fifty years. Uh, there was a few reports in the nineteen thirties, then a, a desert of accounts, absolutely nothing until fifteen years ago. And then you have a a spate as it becomes more popular. Now, it might be it could be argued that there is no account simply because nobody ever went there. Nobody ever uh, was interested in documenting the accounts. But nonetheless, the events still took place. Or it could be argued that people are making, you know, revisiting the the location, rereading these old accounts and then adding their own layer of, of modern history to the to the mix. So that's one of the areas that you know we we don't again we don't have the answers to. I know we've had there have been there have been people who have uh, like Martin Whelan, who was a guest on the show some years ago, who who as uh, social uh, historians they've studied the uh, the way these ghost stories tend to develop and have noticed that in often. it's the case of they're really, really relatively quite recent, that some of them were documented until the past 20 years, even though they appear, you know, they're told as you know, uh, almost legendary. Uh, I'm going back many, many years before that, that documented that doesn't prove to be the reality of the case. Of, uh, 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 um, and so what we think of as maybe a historical haunting is maybe actually quite a recent haunting.
2: Well, it makes sense. Or recently <laughs>
0: documented haunting, I should say.
2: The thing that, that uh, I talked about on the morning show, uh, well, actually, actually, yeah, it was on the morning show, is that it seems like um, locations, as they're visited by more and more people, uh, take on a life of their own, even though there may not be any reports of anything prior to that. It seems like... Uh, the interest in the paranormal, or, or looking for a particular thing, uh, a spirit, uh, you know, actually gets manifested through all the energy of people looking for this thing and, and connecting to it. I
0: mean, what's your thoughts about that? I don't think, I, I'm, I'm actually going to disagree with you unsurprisingly. I think what you're dealing with here is simply a layer of, uh, of mis-evidence, people going along to locations based on the fact that either it, it looks right it's an old building um then they have unusual experiences that they don't understand and then they write it into the into the ghost lore of that location um and there are many many examples uh, i could point to where that's that's almost certainly the case. Yeah, and, there and I are,
2: think there's many, many no, other cases, and and in, and in here, especially the United States, where where that is 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 absolutely opposite. And that, I, I know myself, my own personal experiences from the Houghton Mansion, doing the first investigation, and the, and the the reports and stuff that connected to it. And then once it became a paranormal uh, destination, and more and more people went there, uh, there be acquired a different reputation, acquired different spirits it acquired different results uh, and reports than what the original was so I, I, I kind of disagree with you and I really do I think that people bring that energy with them and, and or even even that
0: if there are spirits there, they, they create what people want to find or it could just simply be argued that people are creating their own ghosts because it's because that's what they go for. I mean, if you go to a uh, a building where previously there have been no accounts ever, mm-hmm. and then all you know, you go along with your with your group or with your you know um, public event, you're going to have an experience. It, it's almost inevitable. You can create experiences, um, and and. You see that with the with the ghost box. You see that with other EVP devices. You see it with the misuse of equipment. People will have unusual experiences often because they don't understand uh, necessarily the nature of the experience that they're having, and then they they ascribe it to being paranormal. So you're absolutely right. The nature of the uh, the location will change. And it, I would argue that it's not the ghosts or the, or, or the spirits creating a new paranormal experience for people. I would argue that it's simply the people themselves creating the experience that they want. Now, there are cases like...
2: Well, I, I there kinda, are like well, if you, where, if you like look Philip,
0: at... Like Philip, where people have, you know, engineered uh, an experience that then the, uh, seemed to take on a life of, of its own. Um, so... <laughs> we don't we we don't know ultimately but i would say the balance of probabilities comes down to if you go into a, a damp dark miserable you know spooky building every noise every sound every event is going to be attributed to the paranormal much more likely than spending any time looking for the real cause which might just be a rat in the walls
2: Right. But I mean, if you look, if, if you're going, if you believe in the spirits and we and were for instance, you take a look at the, the Ouija board and why uh, it, it has such a bad rap. And, and people will say, uh, uh, well, you don't know what you open up and you, you think and there's so many reports about this where you, you think you're talking to your long lost on or everything else. And then there are reports of this others. Negative energy, demonic energy that comes through. So, was it that other energy creating uh, the spirit that you wanted to speak? And then, uh, you know, it, it, is that what happens in a lot of these paranormal locations? If no, you I believe in I that, I use wishful thinking. Uh-huh. I, think I just
0: add, totally disagree with you on well, that. you're That's entitled why. to totally disagree with me, but my I, argument would be that the balance of evidence comes down to bad investigating and wishful thinking in combination. Oh, well, yeah, you're only looking at it from one point of view, which is, well, the, you know, well, typical. Uh, well, but, I, I uh, hope so. I hope I only look at it from one point of view, which is objective and uh, open to the evidence, and the evidence doesn't well, suggest there's
2: no evidence, that they're dealing uh,
0: with the paranormal. There's, there's no evidence
2: cases. there is a god but doesn't mean god doesn't exist i mean that's kind of ridiculous
0: yeah but there's no evidence that the moon isn't made of cheese is there you know, you Yeah, we, we visited it. And no, not, well, there's ever we, no evi- we got samples. Well, there, there are people that will argue that we never visited it. So Right, there, there are people this, that argue the Earth is, is flat. This, so This is one point? of the most this is one of the most ridiculous arguments ever in terms of you can't prove a negative. Well of course you can't prove a negative, but you the buttons. Oh, the, we have to go. It's a shame the evidence we have to doesn't you suggest up. So positive. anyways, you'll
2: listen to Ghost Chronicles International and I really apologize for having to speak over you, Steve, but we do have to I take a break. break about yeah. and uh we'll be right back right here on told no, you, you don't get your own way and, uh, yeah you'll you'll
1: welcome to talking Net radio with a cutting edge
2: An oasis in this hectic world.
1: The creepy and the are kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk outly gookie, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parra X family.
2: Bringing us back or what?
1: I am, but I got caught
0: off by Skype. Do <laughs> you know, <clunk> ahead? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, welcome back to part two of Ghost Chronicles, the Skype edition. The Skype yeah. failing badly for the third time in succession because we couldn't get Andrew Taylor. We couldn't get Cal last time, could we? Um, and we're cursed. We're cursed. Oh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International on ToggyNet mm. and stuff. Para X and yeah, wherever else Skype doesn't work. Yeah. So, anyways, while this is going on, why don't
2: we play uh, the teller of curious tales? Yeah, which we have that's had a, had good a good while. idea. Yeah, because I need a drink right now. <laughs> Can we play the teller of curious tales if, it if, that's, work possible. if that's possible? <laughs> okay.
1: I, the Teller of Curious Tales, open my book once again and bring you strange and unusual stories, true stories, stranger than any fiction ever written. Listen to the Teller of Curious Tales. Early in the 18th century, there lived in the village of Regendorf in southern Germany an innkeeper named Andrew Bisham. When business was dull, Andrew studied fortune-telling, and when he became proficient in this business, he bought some cheap oriental trappings, several bottles of heavy, stupefying perfume, and set himself up as a sort of swam where poor people came to ask questions about the future. They came with questions regarding husbands, Babies, money matters, travel, health, or anything else that puzzled them. And for a trifling sum, Andrew attempted to advise them. Soon, he branched off into another business. Murder. Andrew was a miser and a coward. He killed helpless women and girls for the few dollars they had with them and for the clothes they were wearing. He struck his victims only when they were securely tied and when they least expected it this went on for years one day Catherine Seidel came into his spider's web to ask what happened to her fiance Andrew received her with great politeness and an air of mystery she was seated in a high back chair and an elaborately decorated mirror was placed on the table before her. Andrew then told her to concentrate on the mirror, and in it she would see the answer to her question. When the image failed to appear, he bandaged her eyes and strapped her to the high back chair in order, so he said, to maintain the rigidity of the body for the ritual. Now Andrew moved swiftly, he drew forth an 18-inch knife, sharp as a razor and with the sureness of born of experience cut her spinal cord at the neck and plunged the knife into Catherine's lung. She died almost instantly. After he had undressed her, he dismembered her body and buried the parts in various places under the floor of a shed. To Andrew, This was just another murder. And he went on calmly... ...as he had dozens of times. No one had ever bothered him before... ...why should they this time? But Andrew didn't know... ...that Catherine had a sister... ...who was very devoted to her... ...and who started on a relentless hunt. For weeks she went everywhere... ...asking... ...questioning. One day... ...she saw a tailor making a vest of what had been Catherine's petticoat. Asked where he had obtained the material, the tailor said he had bought it from Andrew. Without waiting, the girl rushed to Andrew's establishment and confronted him. Yes, Catherine had been his client. No, he didn't know where she had gone after she left his place. Andrew was lying, and the girl knew it, so she went to the police. They went to Andrew's house and searched. Trunk after trunk of women's clothing, shoes and undergarments were unearthed. Trembling with fear, Andrew mumbled that he had bought these things from their original owners. Not being able to disprove this statement, the police were about to leave when a dog they had brought with them attracted their attention by whining, running and sniffing excitedly. Since he refused to leave the shed, the police resolved to dig there. Within ten minutes, they had unearthed an incredible number of arms, legs, feet, hands and heads. All mixed up in charnel confusion. When confronted with this evidence, Andrew became violently ill and was taken to jail. There, his nervous system broke down. And he revealed everything. He was sentenced to be broken on the wheel. A sentence which had been abandoned almost a hundred years before. However, no executioner in Germany would carry it out. And Andrew Bischel died by decapitation. On the way to the execution, Andrew, so frightened he couldn't walk, Asked the priest if his victims would confront him after death. He was told that his soul would be in the hands of God. To do with what he pleased. Before he was able to say any more, he was forced to his knees. His head laid on the block. And the headsman swung his giant sword. The gong strikes. My time is up. On my next visit, I'll bring you other stories, Curious Tales, Strange Beliefs. The teller of curious tales has closed his book and about to go on his way. I'll be back again on Ghost Chronicles International with more strange stories. Sleep tight. Hmm.
0: That was spooky. That was pretty gross. So what's that the was gr- awful, gross, nasty,
2: what was, horrible
0: man? What was the wheel thing? I, I've never heard of that before. What the wheel? The torture wheel. Um, yeah, yeah. They, it's like a giant. It's like a gigantic. Well, they can vary in size, but about six to ten foot diameter wooden wheel, and then they strap the victim to it and then stretch them around the wheel and break the back. It's like a sort of round version of the rack. I thought they, they
2: like tore them apart or something. Um,
0: not that I'm aware. Being put on the wheel, it's like a rack. Well, they were talking there about there might be other versions. There might be other versions where they just well about the rack would tear people limb from limb. So the wheel would also ha- perform a similar function, but it would also break the back at the same time because they'd be oh, stretched okay. backwards over this dip over the circumference of the wheel, the wooden wheel. Not pleasant. Now, my Skype's gone quiet. That's even weirder.
1: <laughs>
0: Welcome to the strange and weird world of Ghost Chronicles International, where Skype has now thrown out the host and left me on my own with just Karina and a torture wheel. Um,
1: yes, so, I'm here. Yes, that's
0: not- isn't that weird? Do you have Do you have torture wheels at the Alamo, Karina? No, I don't. I don't think they do. <laughs> I'm not too sure. To tell you the truth, I haven't even been to the Alamo here, and I've been living here all my life. So, oh, that's really sad because I was watching some documentaries about the Alamo um, quite recently, and it it also is haunted. Although I don't think they use torture devices, I could do a torture device right now. Actually, to put is, myself onto
1: it. <laughs> it is haunted. <laughs>
0: It is. It is I mean, mm-hmm. But did
1: I mean we, we used to have some
0: uh, some pretty mean torture devices. There was the what was called the Iron Lady, which to most British people was our former Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher. But the actual the Iron Lady was was a casket mm-hmm. um, shaped like an Egyptian mummy, a sort of uh, I do know sarcophagus, and lined with iron spikes, um, and, and the person was put inside and then the door shut <laughs> uh, of course they were wider than the, the gap between the spikes. that's um, kind of crazy it's kind of crazy but we, we outlawed torture um, a few you weeks know, ago according to our security services and we no longer use it but I mean some of the most subtle tortures uh, uh, there were actually some, some really subtle, subtle ones like uh, this this um, forget which one, was it called the Dutch, the Chinese water torture, where they just put somebody, lay somebody down and just uh, drip water from a bamboo tube uh, um, onto their forehead, and it would just drip incessantly, drop. I think you're but. having fun talking about torture devices and stuff. I know you've got me uh, thinking, actually. We might <laughs> we might have to incorporate this into the next version of Spirit Quest. I think so. Hello, Ron. It's the back. I am back. Hello. You got thrown out now as well. (laughs) I give up.
2: (laughs) We'll have her again sometimes. (laughs) Maybe next week. We have a guest
0: as well next week. Oh, we do? Yeah. And there won't be a Skype problem because he'll he'll be sat next to me. Uh, yeah, I got lost in La La Land there. That, that was <laughs> well. You met. We were we were having a really interesting discussion about uh, the Chinese water torture and the Iron Lady, and also mm-hmm. the whole, briefly touched on the Haunted Alp, the ghost of the Alamo. So we okay. were just holding. We were just holding the fort until you came back. Yeah,
2: and said, the Alamo, right? The uh, flaming monks. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, but. Anyways, we did have a, a question a long time ago in the chat room, and we didn't get to it. And uh, John asked, it was just out of curiosity, what is your pe- opinion of Hans Holzer? Now, I know you and I both have Hans's giant book of ghosts. Oh, so, that big fat book. Yes. Um, so, I mean, yeah.
0: it is he a
2: white tone. He, he is in our library. So, um, what is your opinion of him?
0: Uh well he didn't just write that one big fat book on ghosts uh, No but that's that's books, so and so He was rec- he is into I mean it, there is somebody else who I would have thought may have appeared on the list of most influential ghost investigators or ghost hunters because certainly in the 60s and 70s to
2: tell me what you think of Hans Holzer.
0: I'm um, saying he was highly influential um okay, and certainly you, in the 1960s and 1970s you know he was um, along with one or two of uh, British investigators like Andrew Green, was considered to be very much the top tier of investigators. He was. Um, there, are, there are inevitably questions raised about some of his um, methods, some of his practices, and some of his conclusions. But I think there are methods. I think there are questions raised about modern investigators also about their conclusions, about the methods that they employ. So, so I don't necessarily think that he's any, you know, different than the modern-day investigators. But influence. He's right up there, top tier. I, I'm thinking of,
2: you, you know what? I, we should actually, what. we actually should have a different classification because I think, uh, you could say, you have uh, celebrity ghost hunters is definitely one, and then you have. Uh, serious researchers like yourself and uh, uh, Lloyd Arbeck and um, uh, those are the two that come to the forefront. Uh, Karen O'Keefe, uh, perhaps. i uh, a serious investigator. No? Okay. Oh, did
0: I say that out loud then? Oh, uh, would you consider Cal Cooper a serious investigator? Uh. I think you're mixing up parapsychology with with paranormal in, with ghost investigating. I wouldn't I wouldn't class either of those as. Okay, oh, that's ghost what I'm trying investig- to find
2: out. I'm trying to find and get out what there is, what
0: is no there is no doubt that Kieran and Cal, Simon Sherwood, and others are passionate about what they're studying, and both Cal and Kieran um, are very interested in spontaneous cases and hauntings and ghosts. But their primary research is in areas of more conventional parapsychology, of psi, of ESP, of mediumship. Um, But they have a side interest that that they pursue more of a personal agenda, I I think, rather than a a true academic pursuit. Um, I I don't... I don't pursue areas of parapsychology. I have no interest in testing mediums. I have no interest in studying psi in the lab or playing with Xena cards. Um, so I wouldn't really class them as ghost investigators first and foremost. Um, but there is no doubt that, for example, Kieran, who's highly influential and respected, Um, because of his, but that I think more comes down to the nature of his work on television. In terms of his academic output, he is very much um, conventional parapsychology. You know, there has been lots of conventional, uh, um, lots of his work has been related to, in fact, his PhD was related to the testing of mediums and uh, um, uh, their involvement in, in crime cases. But um, in terms of his actual output relating to ghosts, that, uh, uh, that comes from, from his television appearances on Most Haunted. Okay. And certainly he is highly influential in that regard in, because he's appeared on television. I would argue that he's influential because he's appeared on television. Um, he's respected in, in the parapsychology community for his research that is related to uh, you know, more conventional parapsychology. Yeah. So, uh,
2: you know, I think you know we've got this category or this lump of uh, people who investigate ghosts as ghost investigators. But I think the paranormal is so much bigger than that. And, and to me, that's what intrigues it. It's not just the, the ghosts. It's it's the whole deal. Uh, you know, mediumship, uh, ESP. That that's intriguing. Uh, elementals. Uh, UFOs, if you really must, uh, crypto. I mean, that's all intriguing stuff. And, and, and I think you're a bit like me. You, you're, you're intrigued by all that, or, or am I
0: wrong? I'm personally, I'm intrigued by it. I have a collection of UFO books. I've investigated the Loch Ness Monster and I've encountered elemental ghost cases. But I think... The paranormal is is an immensely broad church and and encompasses a lot, you know, if you look at the paranormal section of a, of a library, there is, you know, everything from Bigfoot flying saucers, um, you know, all, man- all manner of uh, weird and bizarre things that people can't explain. Uh, there are even, you know, I've even seen conspiracies down in the paranormal section as well. You know, JFK was killed by aliens, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, uh, you know, I despite that sort of range of interests, my research uh, many years ago, I realized that if, if there was any progress personal or academic to be made, it would become it would be um, not through multitasking but becoming single-minded in the pursuit for one particular series of answers and one right. particular range of questions. And so I have only ever concentrated on trying to determine, Answers for the spontaneous cases, for the ghosts or hauntings and similar phenomena, and anything else that I may have a peripheral interest in, I don't actively research and I don't sort of um, follow to the same level that I I follow uh, with relation to the ghosts. Yeah.
2: Now we have a question like, and this goes back to uh, res you know the. Researcher versus the investigator. Now, as far as the the researcher, that's kind of even that is a a wide open uh, description because you can be a researcher, meaning you research paranormal activity, or you research history, or you research the effects of uh, ghosts. So there's a lot that you could be researching. Uh, not necessarily ghost by itself.
0: I think this naming of what do you define yourself as is a key question. Um, There have been a move quite recently over the last two or three years for people to define themselves as paranormal investigators and to distance themselves from being called ghost hunters. Uh, They see ghost hunting as, um, or describing themselves as a ghost hunter as being somewhat, lesser of uh, you know the, that's the lesser of the two a you know, paranormal investigator is the more serious of the two mm-hmm. and yet historically you know you go back to Price Price and you know, others called themselves and were happy to be called ghost hunters mm-hmm. um, I, 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 mean. it, I, I prefer the ghost hunter the term ghost hunter um, you know, paranormal investigator paranormal researcher it's really down to what you want to call yourself because both you know if you go into a haunted building you are investigating the claims that are being made. You are researching the location. You are researching people's experiences. So, I, all of them fit. And in fact, one of the more interesting ones that we, tu- you know, we, we could have touched on with Cal is that um, this term of parapsychologist, for example. Um, in fact, we did touch on with Cal um, was it, it, it's a term that's uh, again not not properly defined. Um, anybody can realistically call themselves a parapsychologist because it is a term really that is self-defining by you know, whatever people want to call themselves. Mm-hmm. So if people are happy calling themselves a ghost hunter, as I like to call myself, then that's cool. If people want to call themselves a paranormal investigator, that's cool. Likewise, right. a researcher. I don't think you should, they should then use that as a, um, as a step up and say that one is better than the other.
2: I think that, that also an important part is that uh, we need really more specialists and people who deal with special aspects of uh, paranormal investigation. Like when I do my paranormal CSI course, and in any CSI investigation, there are specialists. Each one has their own job. They are the expert on what whether it's photography or fingerprinting or whatever. And there's, a, of course, an overseer of the team. And that's the way, I, in my personal opinion, that a paranormal team should really be uh, be built. Uh, I think it's too much of a shotgun thing now where one guy tries to do everything. You know, he... He he tries to do all the EVPs and and, and he's no longer really a specialist because he doesn't really have the time to devote to strictly EVPs, or photographs, or, or, uh, or other audio, or whatever. It's just we
0: we really don't have that, uh, and and I think that. Oh, contraire! Point, but... Au contraire! We absolutely do. Certainly, in every UK group. And in fact, in many American groups, I've seen similar thing where somebody will be the tech expert, somebody will be the photo analyst, and a somebody tech will be, expert. Yeah. Somebody will be the medium, and somebody will. So you have these defined roles within teams, but but you, you know, don't what, really. Well, you, well, you don't. As in the, the the expertise you often find is lacking. The tech expert will be usually chosen from somebody as the person who has the most tech or the most money. Or the most the photography expert will be the one with the biggest camera the EVP expert will be the one with the sound recorder and the copy of Audacity or load, preloaded onto their laptop um, you know, this is, this is tends to be how people are grouped. Now, you can develop expertise for sure, you can develop that, um, you know, if you are constantly studying photography, if you're using cameras day after day after day as part of your hobby, or you, you will develop a degree of expertise. Likewise, if you are using word processing or presentation software or audio processing software, you will develop a, a degree of expertise in using that software better than other people. And so it makes sense for the group to use that that, that learned expertise. Um, I've always argued that paranormal investigating should should not be multi-expert, should be multidisciplinary because you are dealing with history, you're dealing with um, social anthropology, you're dealing with physics, you're dealing with psychology. And you need to mix a team uh, on a basis of experts um, from psychology, from sociology, from history, um, from from physics from acoustics from a whole range of expertise and and parascience has always operated on that on that same principle yes we do have some basic knowledge of the different areas you have to have a basic knowledge of the different areas but when it comes to intensive f- uh, photographic analysis for example or dealing with the specific mechanics of a the way a uh, particular camera um, operates then we have always deferred to uh, contacting the camera, camera manufacturer and asking them you know uh, what are their thoughts they built the damn thing you know they should they should have the greatest insight likewise with audio analysis um, in terms of electronic voice phenomena, um, we have uh, referred people to uh, forensic audio analysts. These are the people who, do, who determine what, what is on a cockpit voice recorder on the black boxes of, you know, uh, following up a plane accident because they have got the necessary expertise way above and beyond anything we have. Um, <clears throat> so I think you have to have a working knowledge of um, many, many aspects as an investigator. But I think the specifics, I don't think investigators should be afraid of them handing their evidence out and saying, look, we need some you know, guidance and help with this. Mm-hmm. All right, so we got to wrap it up. Uh, I guess we've unfortunately um, held up by leprechauns tonight. But, uh, or something. Gremlins, I think. We have a plan.
2: I think it's gremlins, pretty much. But anyway, so there was the bell pizza from the deads here. So uh, that ends that. Anyways, uh, I I did have a question I did want to ask you, but I never got a chance to. And and as someone who oversees the team, do you respect the results of your specialist? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Because the specialists of our team know that we have a, a, a there is a limit at which point we will refer and defer upwards to greater expertise. But they are, for example, the person who takes care of the cameras knows a great deal more about cameras than most other people in the team. Yeah, etc., etc., etc.
2: All right, that's cool. So uh, that's it. Anything else you want to add before we say goodbye to all these two people? Listen, listening now.
0: No, if anybody knows how Skype works, I mean that's becoming paranormal. <laughs> I, I believe it's Trump. Well, it's only since happened since he took <laughs> since took the presidency, so maybe yeah. we're being hacked by the CIA or the FBI or yeah GCHQ or maybe you know maybe there's a wiretap on us. Yeah,
2: it, it's it's that. What, what is that that weather thing they use there? No, uh, I'll tell you what we're
0: gonna next week show. Yeah, yeah, next week's show we're gonna do from my microwave oven.
2: Good, I love that. Can
0: you put a little Faraday cage in it, and we all set? Well, it might broadcast better than Skype does at the moment. So, Anyways, right, <laughs> so there's a tune, so we gotta say goodbye. Sorry if you tuned in to listen to Irish folklore. We'll have them back on April eighteenth. Yeah yeah. 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 Good night. Whatever. God bless. Good night.